This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors for serious injuries, and powered by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. And a good Saturday evening, everybody, and welcome in to Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor and Ryan Boyer here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Joe Krause coming to you on a Saturday night. We're going to change up uh, our opening and change up the format a little bit as we begin the broadcast on a big Saturday and a gorgeous night uh, in the Delaware Valley. Uh, we go to my partner, our co-host, uh, John or Joe Doherty, uh, for a very, very important opening monologue. J-Doc? Joe, there's been an alleged situation developing over the last couple of weeks regarding a series of articles that have been published by the Inquirer and Philly.com in relation to John Doherty. Since June 26th, there have been no less than four articles published in the newspaper on Philly or on and or on Philly.com that either focus on or strongly reference our former co-host and uh, building trades business manager, John Doherty. Two of those articles list the contributing writers and, and two are editorial pieces that don't have um, writer credits. We've invited all six contributing writers of the articles to be a part of this show, and only one, Mark Fazlola, replied and said he was unavailable uh, for tonight's show, but would be open to future shows. Kudos to Mark. Uh, let me just say, we didn't consult John Doherty uh, or his representatives you know, and didn't tell them we were going to be doing this monologue, and John certainly doesn't need us to defend his record. And although my last name is Doherty, I'm not related to John, and none of us is on the broadcast team or a part of his, his inner circle. We're doing this because we feel the issue must be addressed. Although the articles themselves have clearly painted a, a negative picture of John, it's, it's not just the content in the articles. It's the, con- it's the constant barrage in which they have come over the last two-week period that I question. These are the questions I would have liked to ask the writers of the articles had they showed up tonight. First off, why the tidal wave uh, of articles in a two-week period? Where are the names of the writers who wrote the opinion editorial articles? If fairness and integrity in journalism is a priority, why the lack of positive content in the articles on a man who has spearheaded more charitable endeavors, made more positive difference in the lives of working Philadelphians than almost any person in the history of the city? Is there an agenda at the newspaper by the higher-ups, such as an editor or a publisher directing the writers to write the articles, or is it just a complete coincidence that four articles, including two written by the six contributing writers plus the editorials, all happened to come out around the same time period? Are these articles part of a witch hunt or smear campaign? Can you understand why many people would think they are? Does any of the content in any of the aforementioned articles mean anyone mentioned in those articles did anything wrong? I assume not. Are carefully crafted innuendos and inferences meant to taint public opinion of readers who might not know the difference because they naively believe the printed word? John Doherty is currently embattled in a lawsuit with the Daily News and Inquirer organization. Are these stories a payback or a vendetta? 
Is it ethical for a news publication to allegedly and repeatedly publish articles that continuously assassinate an individual's character without accountability? What happened to ethics, integrity, and responsibility in journalism? Freedom of speech and freedom of the press are rights that I believe in deeply, and I'm sure John believes in deeply. And many brave young Americans died defending those rights throughout our history. However, here's a question. When an allegedly respected news publication allegedly uses the power of the pen and the print and the print and their media platform allegedly as a weapon in an attempt to allegedly defame and destroy the reputation of a person, do you think that that's what our forefathers were thinking when they drafted the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States? Our Constitution provides for many freedoms we enjoy. But as Americans, we control the type of democracy we want to live in. Which begs to ask the question, just because we can, does it mean we should? For example, just because we can burn a flag, does it mean we should? That's just a thought. In closing, I'd like to ask this question. Are you aware that no matter how many stories get published, everyone who knows John Doherty for the dedicated passion and albeit relentless person he is will always believe in him? And always be grateful for him for his relentless pursuit of the American dream on behalf of those less fortunate, those in need, and those working men and women who head out to work every day with one goal in mind, to feed their families. These are questions I would have liked to ask our invited guests from over at the Inquirer and Philly.com, but unfortunately, none of them showed up, so I guess we'll never know their answers. And welcome back, everyone, to Saturday Night Live with Ryan Boyer and J. Doc M. Krause here in the studio as we broadcast to you uh, live on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, Ryan, we broke the mold tonight. Uh, I had to redeem myself. You did. You had to redeem yourself. You have, by the way, my friend. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Best, best hoagies in the city. Ferrante's. A great Italian deli on 75th and Haverford Avenue and Overbrook Park. Uh, it's a great deli, great family. Uh, they have a real butcher there. You know, it's going back to the old school. You know, you can go get a fresh piece of meat, mm-hmm. and they cut the deli, they cure it. They're making the rolls back there That's what themselves. I mean. uh, yeah, listen, <laughs> J-Doc, you're phenomenal. making up for lost time, brother. Oh, no, it's incredible. I mean, the the the, the, um, the roll is one of the most unique rolls I've ever tasted. The, the meat's fresh. Unbelievable. So I got, we got like a platter here. So I got the pleasure... Uh, between the break there of, of getting the turkey, roast beef, and the Italian hoagie. Wow. No, Unbelievable. I, I, and, and Ryan, you you broke mold tonight. You had... I usually you, don't, don't you don't usually eat But I studio. love their turkey hoagies. I love their turkey Here comes Dan Loney. Oh, Dan, oh, you had yours right then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can hear him chomping at the bit. Yeah, you know, right. It's good. Incredible, man. Well, you made good to Dan Loney as well because he, he was, well, he it, was listen, gnarly Dan, on his it, show a week ago. I'm looking at him. Dan has on a nice golf shirt. He was at the U.S. Open for women. Look at him, man. At Trump National, nonetheless. Well, the interesting thing was I never seen somebody so distraught in my life as I saw Dan Loney last week. Oh, my God. He, well, that carried you, over, that, and that carried over into a show. He was gnarly. He was. was gnarly from eight to eleven. He was not an angry man. He was hungry, brother. Here it comes now. It's a Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, Danny. Let me just say, Ryan, you did a phenomenal job this week. Oh yeah, Thank phenomenal. You, you redeemed yourself. Like, I, I had to redeem myself. You know? <laughs> Great effort by you. Looking at how svelte I am, you know I know how to eat well. Right? <laughs> I'm right with you. Believe me when I say it. <laughs> uh, special thanks Thank to Ferrantes. 
Meats and more. And special thanks to Ryan Boyer for providing uh, our uh, table setting as we set the table for you on a Saturday night here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Chris Woods from 1199C is in the studio. He's at the dinner table tonight. Chris, a good Saturday evening. How are you, sir? Doing good, man. Excited to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you in studio as well. Coming up at the bottom of the hour uh, from Blossom, Philadelphia, formerly uh, UCP, the United Cerebral Palsy, uh, we'll have Kevin Seawright and Melissa Swain are here in studio. Uh, they'll join us around 734 here on the big show. Joining us on the line uh, is a man who I wish was in the studio tonight to enjoy uh, some of Ferrante's, but perhaps he has uh, many, many times. Uh, we bring in Wayne Miller, the president of the Building Trades, and he joins us tonight. Wayne, a good Saturday night, my friend. How are you? How are you, Wayne? Hey, Ryan, Joe, how you guys doing? Good, buddy. How are you? I want to say something uh, when we introduce you. Uh, I was looking at the story about the uh, fire and the high-rise in Hawaii, and it lets people know how important the things that the people at the sprinkler fitters do. And, Wayne, you sit on a board at the city of Philadelphia to make sure that all of our buildings, our new buildings, have sprinklers in them. And I just heard that they said high rises with sprinklers in them when there's a fire there's little to no death and we already have a lot of confirmed casualties in hawaii so thank you for that way no no problem ryan the thing is is that in hawaii there was no sprinklers in that building and you know uh the thing is a fire if even when you have a high rise a fight the, the fire department can't fight anything over seven floors so you have to have something to to get the water up there and have in the sprinklers to to put out the fires, and you know when you don't have that, you're in a death trap. And uh, there's never been a multiple loss of life in any building that was sprinkled. That's incredible. And it, it, it's and, and the thing is, is that uh, you know for people not to uh, install them, and all the codes nowadays or anything that's being built, they do have uh, sprinklers are required. Uh, which is a good thing. But the, the, the issue is, is on the buildings that were not retrofitted and, and supplied with sprinklers. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of people, they take the path of least resistance and they won't uh, recommend sprinklers to be retrofit in residential buildings because the, the, the uh, condo owners and Bowman, all, all the other uh, authorities, they say the direct cost would go back to the people in the apartments or the condos. So what they do is they say, okay, we'll give you a half a loaf and we'll just uh, uh, sprinkle commercial buildings, uh, high-rises, seven floors and above. But, you know, uh, I hope in my lifetime that there won't be anything ever built without a sprinkler system in it. And also is that uh, they need to go back on these high-rises that do not have sprinklers installed in them and retrofit them. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the that, that's what needs to be done, and it's a perfect example of what went wrong in in, in Hawaii. Are, and Wayne, I don't know Wayne, how many there, lives have been lost. Wayne, are there buildings in Philadelphia? Yeah, they that, that be, need to do if that. If they built before 1971, they don't have them, right? Yeah. Wayne? Well, yes. We what we do is we have a we ha- we do have a bill after the Meridian fire that right. went into effect that uh, only sprinkled uh, commercial buildings. And the thing is, is that you know. Again, like I said, it's the path of least resistance. The thing is that we're needed the most, and, and they're needed in every building, but, but it's vital to have that in, 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 uh, in residentials, because residential buildings, because that's where people sleep. But, uh, 
And what happens is, is that when that bill went into effect, uh, all the all the commercial buildings were were done, but not every commercial building was was done uh, that was a, considered a high rise. Well, you know, it's amazing, and, Wayne. When I when I was an iron worker in the field, I worked on one Meridian. We were, um, we so we we uh, we either put the net over the building. It was right after the fire, not not long right. after it. You remember that? And um, sure. So we we literally yeah. we it was like a glove that we put mm-hmm. over top of it, and we we had to go up. In an elevator in the in the in the in the building next door, and they cut through, and we had to get all suited up because of the PCBs. Let me tell oh, you yeah. something, man. Um, we walked through that building, mm-hmm. and we were so once you crossed over, crossed over, you got suited up, and you walked up the rest of the roof. And when you got to that roof, and that's where those firemen lost their lives mm-hmm. in that in that area, it was unthinkable. Twenty eighth floor, right? Mm-hmm. If anybody, you know, ever you know what was remarkable about remarkable about that, Joe, what? is that that building they were going to let it burn out. Okay, but Comcast had, I think, expensive pictures on the floor that they had up there, and they brought a sprinkler company in to run the risers up and sprinkle that floor because of uh, the artwork they had there. But that building, that fire was put out by nine, nine sprinkler heads. Put that fire out when once it hit the, the floor where the sprinklers were. But that just goes to show you they're they're so effective. It's it's unbelievable. So well, if anybody you know. ever seen the inside of that building, the the header yeah. beams were bent, man. That's how bad it, it was. Incredible. So if anybody ever saw that, uh, you know, I think there's and I mean I'm, I'm, there, there should be an ordinance that that all high rise buildings. There is no money that can have the protection of life. Absolutely, life should be sacrosanct. But, Wayne, we didn't bring you here for that. <laughs> we, we, we brought you here to talk about the All-Star Labor Classic and why is this a passion of yours to raise money for Blossom, I think it's called. I remember it was called the United Cerebral Palsy Cerebral Association. Palsy, right. Yeah, one of my best friends, uh, uh, by Sim Moore, his son, he's been a part of the Cerebral Palsy. His son now is about 26 years old. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it is something near and dear to me personally. So, Wayne, t- tell us why you organize it and run around like crazy to make it happen. You know, it's it's 30 years that uh, the All-Star Labor Classic has been uh, that has been going on. And I remember when I first started back in, in, in the sprinkler business as a young sprinkler fitter, uh, they started that game with uh, Midge Clavin, who was the uh, business manager of the sprinkler fitters, Pat Gillespie, naturally, who is the head of the building trades, and Sam Glassmeyer from the bricklayers, uh, and uh, also Sam Staten. The thing is, these guys started this this game, and it started out. Uh, you know, we we didn't make a whole lot of money in, in the early years, but then we start making uh, more money each year. So we're averaging about one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year for for the children with uh, and, and young adults with uh, cerebral palsy. And the thing is, is that you know, if you see what what the, the all the trade all the building trades, it's 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 our charity. It's the Philadelphia Building Trades charity. Every one of us, Ryan, as you know, mm-hmm. we're all involved in it. And it's, it's a passion of ours because the thing is that uh, everybody needs help. And uh, what we do is that we, we use the younger children, uh, the, the young adults who play in high school, who are seniors, to, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, to be uh, picked as all-stars. Uh, we have a, a group that picks the, the, the kids from all over the city and the suburbs uh, for the boys and for the girls. And it is, it's fantastic how uh, they, they put so much into it, too. And without them, 
we couldn't have uh, this All-Star Labor Classic. And this year was a little bit different. We, we, the, the labor team, which is made up of all uh, the unions with uh, their younger guys playing basketball, play the media and also the alumni that played in the game uh, in years past. And this year was, it was absolutely phenomenal <laughs> because they had – I think about four women that played on the alumni and it, it just goes to show you how good they are. They were putting it to our people, uh, to, to, to the labor team and they, they were out jumping our, 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 our players. They, they, they can hit the threes and it was, it was one of the best, uh, labor media, uh, alumni games that, that has been, go- that has, uh, taken place. Wayne Miller joining, also, Wayne Miller joining us here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT on, uh, Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Uh, Wayne, I, just to give you a, a, a little bit of a heads up, coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, in studio tonight, Kevin Seawright and Melissa Swain. Kevin is the COO of Blossom, formerly UCP, and Melissa is here with us, uh, as well. And they are in studio to uh to not only talk about the power of the all-star labor classic um but to talk about the very meaningful involvement that the that the building trades um and the good work that the building trades has done now as you said year 30 i get so frustrated because as you know i've been actively involved in it for the last few years um and i get so frustrated that the rest of the market that the rest of the delaware valley uh sometimes fails to recognize and i know that you don't do it for recognition um but i do think it's a true example if you don't mind me saying uh, of some incredible work and some incredible sacrifice done by everybody in the building trades. It, it, it certainly is, Joe. You know, and the thing is that, uh, you know, from guys like myself that started out playing in the game uh, with uh, with uh, the labor team to... Uh, Did you pass the ball? Because John Dockery and Sam Staten Jr. No, never passed the ball. No, Did no, you at least it, pass the ball, Wayne? I heard there was yeah. no assist in the game. Is that possible? Uh, uh, no, yes, that game. When you have Sam and Doc in there, you need two balls because they're not passing. Now, I mean, when we it, talked it, about it's this, unbelievable. We've talked about this several times on the show, and it's always a, an unbelievable conversation. One thing that I find incredible is the the win 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 type situation. You have obviously, you know, the kids and you know the the, the individuals who get the opportunity to to, to be helped by this um, and, and raise money for them. Then you get the, the student athletes who get the opportunity to showcase themselves, and then of course mm-hmm. everybody involved. Uh, it's, it's just a special situation. Joe, what what what's good about this is that the young athletes, okay, it's probably the first time they've ever given back, and you know it sets a precedence for them as they go through their careers and as they get older and and, and in life, they're they're finding out from this game that people that have the abilities to give back, whether it's playing basketball or whether it's uh, donating money or whatever, that uh, you should give that, you should do that uh, to people who are less fortunate. And I I think that's one of the first times that these athletes uh, are being used to uh, help someone else. Usually everybody tries to pamper all the athletes and in this case, they're not being pampered. They're 
they're helping other people, and it's that's that's really a great lesson for for all the young athletes. You're right. So it, it works well. Wayne, I appreciate you calling in. I know you're probably at the shore. And Wayne, we have another guy in the studio. I don't know if you know Chris Woods or not, but I heard he doesn't pass the ball much either. Is he oh, play? Chris, yeah, Chris plays, and he doesn't pass. The ball. His son doesn't even pass the ball. They say <laughs> that's not true. I do pass the ball. The neighborhood I came from in Juniata. By the way, uh, congratulations, Thanks, Wayne, Wayne. And, and Ryan. I know that uh, you know that the uh, that the position, new positions you're taking with the building trains trades, well deserved. Oh yeah, it's it's great for all of us. It's great for the whole building trades, and uh, you know, uh, contrary to what anybody says, the building trades is is tight. We get along well, and uh, with our leader Doc uh, running things, uh, everything's everything's great. And, Absolutely, and Ryan and I are my me and Ryan. We go way back. Oh and, yeah, that's uh, my so guy. Wayne is a great guy. Mm-hmm. All right, good in, stuff. In good hands. Wayne Miller. All thank right, you, my friend. Thank you, Wayne. It. No problem. Uh, hey, Ryan, you owe me a hoagie. Oh, yeah, I, I got you. Don't oh, worry about it. Good luck on that. Great one. Uh, <laughs> Wayne Miller, president of the uh, Building Trades, uh, joining us here on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Chris Woods is in the studio. We're going to take a break. Uh, we'll bring Chris into the conversation. Still to come, Kevin Seawright, Melissa Swain from Blossom. We'll get their perspective when they join us after the break. I believe there's room, okay, for the national building trades, the local building trades that have partnerships with the Trump administration as it pertains to energy, as it pertains to infrastructure, as it pertains to the undocumented worker. Back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors. For serious injuries, powered by Pond Lahaki Stern and Giordano, the Workers' Compensation Law Firm. On a Saturday evening here live from downtown at 400 Market Street, we welcome everyone uh, into the big show. Special thanks to uh, Wayne Miller uh, for joining uh, the broadcast, talking about the All-Star Labor Classic, uh, which uh, just completed its 30th year, along with Ryan Boyer uh, and J. Doc M. Krause. Don't forget, coming up at the top of the hour, the Dan Loney Show. As Dan will talk about the death penalty in that opening hour coming up, Dan Loney from 8 to 11. So um, uh, I'm excited to have Chris Woods, executive vice president of 1199C, in in the studio with us. It's his correspondence segment. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And uh, I do pass the basketball. Well, I will say one thing. Do you play in the Labor Classic? I've never played, well, but play the labor movement is responsible for ending my basketball uh, career. Uh, okay. <laughs> really? I gave, I gave it up. What? You can't play basketball anymore when you work in the labor movement. You're too busy. Well, let me, oh, that's a good point. Okay, so, by the way, Chris is a great friend of mine. We go way, way back. Yeah. And the one thing Chris does is he brings some height to the broadcast team. So, Absolutely. And, you know what I mean? So, we average six foot right now, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I stand, That's why I stand. Chris, before... Uh, before we talk shop and, and, and get into some of the organizing stuff, tell us a little bit about uh, you know 1199C's book bag drive events and how important that is to you guys. Well, it's really important. I mean, over the summer, we usually focus on a lot of community initiatives. Just to give you guys a little backstory on our book bag drive, it's in celebration of a guy named Norman Rafer. Norman Rafer was one of our organizers who here in Philadelphia at our first hospital that we organized, Metropolitan Hospital, he was killed on the picket line at our first strike. 
And so President Nicholas um, put into our very first contract every August 28th, it's a premium paid day for all of our hospital and healthcare employees into the contract. And so about two, three years ago, um, we said, you know what, we want to celebrate his honor and his name a lot more. Um, so we thought about, you know, the, the the community and our members and said, you know what, let's start a book bag drive. So for the last three years, we've been giving out book bags every uh, August, about 500 book bags supplied with um, school supplies to get the kids ready to go back to school. I um, want to thank Ryan. Ryan's been a big supporter of our, our book bag drive, and um, we've been able to do some great things from that event and also you know, get our guys engaged and tie them to why we even do this event. Is it growing every year, Chris? Yeah, oh, it's getting tremendous, man. Um, we started off with right in front of our Union Hall, 1319 Locust. We block out, block off the street, um, and we went from Juniper to Locust, and now it's going from 13th to Broad. And So it's been a big thing, I, man. I, I like it because, you know, I was telling uh, off air that, you know, Normally, my wife used to go get the school supplies, but one year she was sick. This happened to be about maybe 10 years, 15 years ago, probably. And I realized how expensive school supplies were yeah. because I never went and got them. And that was 15 that's years I, ago. And that's, yeah. that was 15 years ago. And, you know, I am blessed. I had a union salary. It didn't hurt me, but I was thinking about people that are less fortunate. So when people give away the book bags and the supplies, we need to arm our children with everything that they need to go to school and be successful. And, Chris, what you're doing is a great thing. And Metropolitan Hospital is played a pivotal role in my life because my mother was born there. Oh, wow. <laughs> so so I remember Metropolitan Hospital before it's now luxury condos. Uh, these stitches right here was done in Metropolitan Hospital. It was my neighborhood hospital. I grew up at 6 and um, Green. And the amazing thing is whenever you go into 1199C, and, you know, you have the picture of him. Yes. Uh, and, and, uh, and and so you're reminded, you know, that's your, you, you're reminded of him every day. Every day. And for the... For us, um, you know, myself, I'm a young guy. We got a lot of new young members who are coming into the movement, and um, we just want them to understand the importance of Norman Rayford and um, how big he was for our union and, you know, how we were able to go about getting the first contract. And we want to celebrate him, and we thought that would be the best way to do it. Like Ryan said, man, I didn't even realize the impact until you see the guys who are there all day. They're waiting you know, at 8 o'clock in the morning, lining up to get in line for the book bags. I had one lady one year who was like, Chris, I didn't even know how I was going to get supplies. Wow. And so, Must make you feel incredible. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's a great thing, man. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's getting it's getting really, really big. Um, it's becoming one of the calendar, signature calendar events for our union, and it's a great thing. But Chris, the new guys, do they get it? They get it. And what we're doing is we're trying to tie it in even more. So what we're doing this year is we're going to actually play – Um, A small documentary, which is the history of our union. It talks about Henry. It talks about the movement, the challenges that he went through. And by Henry, our listeners, you're talking about Henry Nicholas. President Henry Nicholas. The dean of the the Philadelphia labor movement. Absolutely. I mean, an absolute legend. When you say dean, dean, that's rarefied air. No, he's the dean. Uh, Henry Nicholas was uh, organizing hospitals before I thought about it, and he took... Uh, a, a profession that was really a low page, low wage profession, and now those people are are carefully, I mean, permanently ensconced in the middle class in Philadelphia in the area. And not only the hospitals that they organize, but the hospitals that they haven't organized. 
the the wages go up because they're afraid that they're going to come organized. So, so, it, so it rises the whole exactly. industry. Right. Chris, real quick, who, tell, tell us real quick, who are the workers that you guys represent? Number one, number two, how many are there, mm-hmm. and how? And number three, how important is organizing to your union? Yeah, so we represent all the major um, hospital and healthcare institutions in Philadelphia and South Jersey. Um, right now, we're a little under fourteen thousand members between Philly and South Jersey. Organizing has always been um, a badge of honor for Henry. It's always been what our union has uh, put a lot of focus on. Um, most recently, we've organized St. Chris um, Hospital for Children. We've organized Delaware County Memorial Hospital. In fact, we actually organized those two hospitals last year on the same day. That's incredible. Same day. Well, and, and you, you guys have been amongst the most aggressive organizers in, in, in the union movement in this in this region. It's a it's an, a major accomplishment. In, in, in what, the last five years, the uh, last 10 years, the well, last three I, years, what? I mean, I'm just saying, oh, in the last three years at least, but I mean, I know Henry Nicholas has always been a priority. He's a legend. He's like a walk in history. He's in history books, that man. And But right now, in, in recent history, the hospital workers at union has been the most aggressive. Yeah, we, we've had over the last three years, we're averaging at least a minimum of 700 new members coming through our doors, man, and it's been um, tremendous. Um, it just goes to show you that the times are changing. Folks are, are tired of um, you know, going through the battles with these employers on, on their jobs, and they want to be appreciated. They want to be respected. And we've been there to help them. And we're talking about, you know, nurses who have nurses to, to patient uh, ratios that sometimes, you know, when you're, in, you know, if you're injured and you don't, you're not thinking about a union dispute, right? Oh, no. That one nurse may be, uh, see, you know, overseeing 12 beds. Some More of the non-union hospitals, some of the non-union hospitals are in major trouble. And, and the workforce is the ones that, that, that want to organize. Am I correct? Well, yeah, they're demanding. They're calling. Uh, Chris and I collaborate a lot. If he sees something going on in construction, right. he called me. And I have friends that uh, Delaware County community. I call Chris. I oh, said, yeah. Chris, they need to, you know, they, they want you. Absolutely. And, you know, so we don't tread on each other's toes. But I support him. He supports me. And this is what the labor movement is meant to be. And I was so happy when I saw Chris coming on because I used to be the young guy now. <laughs> I'm 18 years in and, and I see guys like Chris, Anthony Gallagher, Esteban Vera, Jim Harper, just a whole new group of uh, young labor leaders that are that that are, that are the future of labor. Future labor, and I'm happy about that. Well, Chris, listen, man, uh, I'm ecstatic that you came in the program. I know you're going to stick with us to the rest for the rest of the program. Absolutely. And and thanks so much for what you guys are doing. Tell the boss Henry Nicholas uh, that we that obviously we we uh, we say hello and and uh, just keep doing what you're doing, giving back to the community and organizing and setting the pace in labor throughout the Northeast. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's our pleasure. Uh, well done by Chris Woods, who is the executive vice president of 1199C. He'll stay with us until we get to the top of the hour. We'll take a break when we come back. As promised, Kevin Seawright is the COO of Blossom Philadelphia, along with Melissa Swain. We'll bring them into the conversation when we come back on Talk Radio 1210, WPHD. I've been coming out of step with them guys, okay? And I was a treasurer of the Democratic Party. You know, I've been a loyal Democrat my whole life. But I've told people, and it hasn't, like I told you, it just didn't resonate with this election. If you look at the last few years, I've been telling people we have to become a little bit more individual. We have to be more of our own brand. Mm-hmm. We have to do a better job of becoming a business. 
And welcome back, everyone, to Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor and Ryan Boyer. I'm Krause, along with Jay Doc in the studio here on a Saturday night. Shout out to all of our listeners uh, out in the Jenkintown, Abington area, tuning in tonight on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Rye, earlier in the show, as you know, uh, we had Wayne Miller uh, join us. Uh, I get extremely excited and I get extremely angry about the great work that is done by the union members and the union community um, to change the lives of people that they'll never know. We heard Chris Woods earlier, who's here in the studio. See, that's that's why that's why the show is important. That's why I agreed to give up my Saturday nights because we must. Uh, put out our message that we are a member of the community and we are a vibrant member of the community and we help the community. Our members are out coaching Little League, raising money for the United Cerebral Palsy, giving out book bags. This is what we do. But sometimes we're too humble for our own good. We believe in giving and forget that we gave because of the humility that we give with and not an ostentatious presentation to see me or to get credit. But sometimes we need to we need to market it better so that we can incent other people to give. Because I have, don't think- We have great, like Blossom. It's great. How, how could you not give to people that are less fortunate? That, you know, through no fault of their own, they're facing physical, you know, in the families. I know one of my best friend's kids has cerebral palsy. Uh, buy some more. And his son is older. He needs- uh, wheelchair access, so all these things, it's not just on the kid, it's the family that has to deal with this, and we have to alleviate some of that those hurdles. This is America, the richest country on the face of the earth, and we should do better with philanthropy, and the building trades believe in giving back. The building trades has been putting on the All-Star Labor Classic. They just completed the 30th year uh, of involvement of producing the All-Star Labor Classic. Over $2 million has been raised by uh, the All-Star Labor Classic. Uh, and their partner on this is formerly UCP, formerly the United Cerebral Palsy, uh, now Blossom. In the studio, Kevin Seawright is the COO, the Chief Operating Officer of Blossom Philadelphia. Melissa Swain uh, is here as well. Melissa, your role is real hands-on. When you get when when the, when the building trades and the All-Star Labor Classic produces a big check or a big donation, that gives you energy. That's when you get to go to work because you have some resources. Tell us about it. Absolutely. Um, the money that comes in that's raised through the All-Star Labor Classic um, in in the recent um, game has gone directly to new classrooms uh, for our center. Um, so we, for those of you that don't know, have an inclusive child care program, which means we serve children uh, with special needs in an environment with their typically developing peers. Gives them an option to learn and grow. Um, it also gives their typically developing peers a chance to understand and have empathy that people learn and grow differently. The end of the process, and I don't even know if the end might be the wrong way to, to, to clarify it, but when you see or you're able to help an individual, and each individual is going to be different, when they reach a certain plateau or they reach a certain area on that spectrum of growth, just must be incredibly meaningful 
for you and for what you do. Absolutely. It's very rewarding for us to see kids when they first come to us. Um, a lot of times they're in a child care facility that doesn't meet their needs or they're coming from a home environment and they haven't had the experience to be in a, in a classroom yet. So the fact that we can help kids um, learn how to talk if they're nonverbal, we give them a means to communicate. If they're unable to walk and they're in a wheelchair, if we can help them transition to a gate trainer, which allows them to walk through their classroom or walk out to the playground with their peers is very rewarding for not just the families, but also for the therapists and the classroom teachers who are working with us. Uh, the United Cerebral Palsy is now in Blossom. That rebranding effort was a part to do. What, what was your goal in rebranding? Um, well, first of all, thanks for having us this evening. Um, a part of that goal was basically to be envision the whole society as a whole. Basically, that's what we were looking at. Um, right now, we basically were kind of stereotypical where it was just individuals with cerebral palsy, but the agency was much more than just individuals with cerebral palsy. Uh, as you just heard <clears throat> Melissa say, we have a fully functioning school. Uh, we have a school in our building. We own 31 residential homes throughout the city. Uh, so it was more to encompass the full name instead of just saying, hey, we're just UCP and, and, and excuse me, individuals only see you for one thing. Kevin Seawright right is in the studio. He is um, the COO uh, of Blossom Philadelphia. Melissa Swain is joining us as well. Melissa, your, your title with uh, Blossom Philadelphia is what? I'm the director of children's services. Well, listen, children are, are our future. We say that as a platitude, but you guys really live it. And I like the Blossom name because it's it's what they want to do. They want to blossom. And you say, I know we used to call it mainstreaming back in the day uh, where you put uh, people with special needs in a class with regular performing peers so they can see that. And the empathy is great. And how do you are, are you guys successful with this model? Absolutely. We, um, we have found that um, a lot of other places very similar to us serving serving kids with similar needs are doing what they call a specialized environment mm. but we have really found that putting those two groups of children in the same classroom together really is helping both parties and especially the kids with special needs having the experience to be in a classroom with typically developing peers to learn and grow alongside of them and kevin let me ask you about the uh, philadelphia building trades you know and the all-star labor classic being the uh, big event uh, that allows them to uh, showcase, allows them to pull into the process, high school seniors, boys and girls from uh, Philadelphia and from the suburbs, I think incredibly special, I think incredibly meaningful. Sure, I mean, over the last 30 years, the Bill and Trade has raised $2 million for formerly UCP and now Blossom. So, I mean, obviously without that or with that, it uh, affords us to do a lot of different opportunities for kids and individuals throughout the city. Uh, also a big thing with this is education. Uh, and that's something huge, not just to Blossom, that's huge to everybody in the city. Uh, this year, uh, with the building trades, I know we've had over 60 players that received $500 scholarships uh, throughout the city that actually played in the tournament. And that gives a kid a chance to go buy books, um, make it things easier their first um, semester on campus. Uh, There's just a lot of things. And that goes, again, to the question you asked me earlier about seeing it as a full encompassing model not just individuals with a disability, but seeing uh, an individual with a disability, seeing individuals inside of the city, and also, as Melissa is here, 
uh, having individuals that are in that school, which is a fully functioning school also. Kevin Seawright, the COO of Blossom. Melissa, I give you last word tonight here on Talk Radio 1210 uh, as we bring to a close the segment with Blossom Philadelphia, formerly UCP, but a big partner with the Philadelphia Building Trades. I give you last word, last, uh, give you the open microphone, if you will, just to kind of put an exclamation point uh, on where you are with Blossom and your thought process. Absolutely. So again, a big thank you um, to the All-Star Labor Classic and what it does for not just Blossom Philadelphia, but specifically for the kids we serve. Um, we get to see them make some great gains in um, gaining skills they may not have had when they started with us. And hopefully when they leave us, they go on to do really great things. All right. It's great stuff. Kevin and Melissa, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, thank you to your, is it your, is it your husband here? Yes. Thank you yes. very much for getting the job done. Uh, let Michelle know that we want to do a full one-hour show at some point uh, in the future just to be able to build uh, and continue the bridge. This Chris Woods in the studio. Chris, uh, you know, you, you're on for a segment with us talking about your involvement the book drive and everything that you do um, and I'm curious for your reaction when you hear everything going on uh, I'd love to get you involved with Blossom Philadelphia for sure yeah I'm certainly um, looking to get more involved it, it, it did touch me because I, a few minutes ago um, I just thought about um, when we did some work with Liberty Resources and organized the attendants um, who take care of individuals with special needs and wheelchair bound and um, home care initiatives and stuff like that so keep up the good job Anything we could do at 1199, let us know. Anything I can personally do, let me know. Um, and we're certainly willing to help and keep doing up the good work. All right, well done on Chris Woods. Ryan, you get uh, 30 seconds to get the last word in tonight. Well, you see organized labor. You don't have to twist our arm to do what's right. They ask Amazing, Chris, and he's here. I'm going to be here. The building trades will be here. We are America, period, point blank. We aren't big labor. We aren't union bosses. We're just men and women that get together that want to have a voice so that we can push back a little bit on management. That's it. That's my last word. Well done. Well said from Ryan Boyer. That's going to bring our show to a close. Uh, here on uh, Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor and Ryan Boyer. J-Doc, thank you very much for a job well done. Chris Woods, nice job, brother. Welcome uh, to the dinner table. Uh, thanks to all of our guests. Uh, for being a part of the big show. Thanks for our listeners. Special thanks to Sue Rocco and her husband Chip for uh, sitting in the studio tonight. Thank you very much. On behalf of J-Doc, on behalf of Ryan Boyer, on behalf of Glenn, who's producing, and I'm Joe Krause. We'll see you next time. I seen that open space. I hope you're saving that for medical marijuana because I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm a big fan of that, and I just want to let you know we're talking big numbers. We're talking, as you know, they're talking trillions, but we're talking mucho billions around here of unionized pension money. I haven't heard in six weeks one conversation about Russia yet. That's the reality. They come to me about jobs. They come to me a little bit about Obamacare, but they don't come to me about Russia. And with Philadelphia jumping out of the seams as a hospitality town, we need our transportation to be clean, efficient, safe, and on time. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.